Welcome into the Fog.net podcast. Michael Swain here after Kansas fell to Coastal Carolina at home, 12-7. And that was an ugly game. I don't think there's any beating around the bush there. KU did not play to the level I think that you could have expected going off of what you saw from them against Indiana State last week, building into this week. I think there were definitely things, you know, KU could improve upon, uh, especially in the run game. And the quarterback play, too, could have been a little bit better after Indiana State. But I did not expect that sort of performance that we just got from KU. So kind of just starting off, let's walk through what we're going to talk about today. We kind of start off just where it went wrong with KU, kind of where in the second half the moments kind of started getting away from KU and where the game got out of hand eventually. We'll kind of talk about Carter Stanley's performance specifically uh, and move into the offense after that, talk about the defense, because I think defensively for KU, there are things that you can take away that are positives. Um, but I think really the offense is probably where the biggest question marks remain going into now, you know, week three and what is going to be the biggest test for Kansas so far this season in a really in a Boston college team that looks like it could give Kansas some problems. Um, But I guess let's just start off with going through the game. So KU on the first offensive drive drives down the field. Khalil Herbert bursts for a 40 plus yard touchdown run. The play was kind of interesting that Herbert scored on. It was kind of a, a split backfield to Stanley in the shotgun. He had Herbert and Puka Williams there with him. And basically, Puka Williams went out into the flat to the uh, right side of Stanley, acting like he was going to receive a screen pass. And then Stanley gave the ball to Khalil Herbert, who then burst to the outside to the left and was able to get a really nice a seam along the sideline where he could burst for the long run. After that, though, Kansas offense really struggled to make the most of its opportunities that it got. Uh, in the first half specifically, you know, Kansas, if you look at the, the drive results, they went a uh, touchdown on the first drive of the game, eight play, 65-yard drive in three minutes, 28 seconds. The second drive they had offensively, they punted, eight plays, 20 yards, and then after that, you get into Carter Stanley's first interception, which came uh off of a scramble. I'll I'll talk about Stanley more in a little bit. So we'll just keep moving through the the drives here, but then KU goes into a punt. And then the most important thing, I think really, when you look at the grand scheme of this game, where things did not go right for KU, if that missed field goal right before halftime. So big picture, you look back to last week, Liam Jones was the man that took the field goal kicks for KU he also is the designated kickoff man for KU, and Les Miles said that will not change going forward. But in terms of place kicking duties, last week it looked like it was Liam Jones that would be doing it, and this week it was Jacob Borchilla that was doing it. Uh, he made the extra point after KU's touchdown, but right before halftime, he missed a field goal. So the reason this is significant now is because this is back-to-back games where KU has missed a field goal, and 
I mentioned on last week's pod that if KU is going to play this ground and pound approach where they're going to try and limit the amount of total possessions in a game, then they have to make every opportunity to score count. And that's the thing that they did not do tonight. They did not make those opportunities count. They missed a field goal right before half. And this is now where I think the game kind of changed. Because in the second half, uh, I think some of the decisions that KU made were done so without full trust in a kicker that they have. You look at um, the opportunity to go forward on fourth and down um, inside the 16 or inside the 20. You're on the, the 16 and you end up trying to go for it. And that whole situation with that second fourth down that they go for it, that was where KU lined up, called the timeout, came out, then Coastal Carolina called the timeout, and then they came out again, and then KU called its final timeout of the game. And this is with about you know, 13, 14 minutes left in the fourth quarter. KU burns its final timeout. Not necessarily an ideal situation for a team going into – what would be a pivotal fourth quarter, not having any timeouts. And I think that did come back to bite them later in the game when they couldn't call timeouts um, during the final drive or in other situations. It does hamper you going forward if you get into looks that you aren't necessarily happy with. So KU then goes for it on fourth down. They don't get it. Then the next drive that they get, they go for it again on fourth down. That time is where they had the two timeouts and then the final drive of the game, they go for on fourth down and they don't get anything. So I think when you look at the second half, the drives that KU had, and it's also crazy because KU had four drives in the second half. The, how long was that drive? Eight minutes and 40 seconds. The missed field goal that Coastal Carolina had, that drive almost nine minutes off the clock. Those are the type of drives that you'd want to see KU have in games going forward where you're taking, you know, seven, eight, nine minutes off the clock. But KU did not have a drive longer than five minutes in the game. Five minutes. They didn't couldn't go over that. All their drives, the longest one they had was four minutes. And that was when they punted and they went eight plays, 20 yards. So in general, in the second half, KU's offense just did not get in rhythm. Puka Williams, I thought, looked pretty good for his first game. I think that he didn't have the explosive play. I think that kind of you associate with Puka, where a lot of his runs, it's like, okay, it's a gain of three yards. It's a gain of four yards. It's a gain of one yard. It's a loss of two. But then all of a sudden, he, you know, he bursts open for a, a 50-yard run or a 60-yard run. But he didn't have that big gain today. I think his long would have been... Uh, 15 yards. It is 15 yards. Exactly. Actually. Um, so Puka ended up finishing with 99 total yards rushing. Khalil Herbert finished with 82 yards rushing. So KU finished with 173 yards rushing. That's not bad. That's not a bad performance whatsoever, especially considering the time of possession, um, that KU ended up having because of their drives were so short. So that kind of leads me now into the whole Carter Stanley conversation because I, I struggle with this because he against Indiana state, he managed the game. Well, this is what I talked about after that game in the podcast was that he managed the game. Well, he made 
solid decisions. He put the ball in jeopardy a couple times, but he made solid decisions for the most part. In this game, there were definitely some times where he even said at postgame he did not make the right decision or he tried to force things. So if you look at Stanley's first interception, it came on a second and four from the Coastal Carolina 39. KU had gotten possession after a field goal attempt was missed by Coastal Carolina. They took the ball from the 20 and they were able to get it across midfield thanks to two double-digit yard gains from Stanley on passes he made to Stephon Robinson, Andrew Parchment. But then on that play on second down, he draws back to pass. The pocket kind of collapses on him. He tries to move out to the pocket and to the right. He does a really good job of evading a defensive lineman who tried to make like a shoelace tackle on him. And it does look like for a split second, there's a lane for Stanley to run. I don't know if he would have gotten up to the first down line, but I think that that was maybe something he could have tried to run. And he said even in hindsight that he wishes he would have tucked in a run instead of trying to force a pass to Andrew Parchment down the field. But because the thing is, too, with the camera view that we have, looking back at it, you can't necessarily see where Parchment was or where people are moving. We don't have an all-22 cam, so you can't see what what everybody's doing at the same time. So there's no telling of what Stanley actually saw. But he said he liked what he saw from Parchment breaking away from the defensive back. Um, but then as he moved and he threw it, things didn't look right. And, you know, Coastal Carolina is able to come up with the interception. So that's the first one. You know, you look at that specific, the timing of it. It comes after the misfield goal. So you're looking to take advantage of a turnover off of Coastal Carolina. But here's the thing, too. The next drive, as soon as you throw that interception, you know, Coastal Carolina then comes and takes a ton of time off the clock, almost six minutes off the clock following the interception. So they're able to chew some clock away with it still being a one-score game. So that interception is significant there. Then you look at his second one early in the third quarter. It looked like there was maybe uh, some sort of miscommunication. Carter Stanley said that there maybe have been a miscommunication with the routes that were supposed to be run. He said that there was a call that came in that KU has, you know, two separate calls, but the words sound the same, but they mean entirely different things. So Stanley said that that's where things went wrong on that play. Um, Kevin Feeder got beat on the right side of the offensive line. So uh, Carter Stanley was pressured. He had to go around to the right. And he tried to, you know, lead Stephon Robinson with the ball and it ended up being intercepted. So I think in general, you know, Carter Stanley did not look good this game. You know, statistically, 13 of 19 passing for 107 yards. Uh, going forward, he has to be better. If he's going to be KU's starting quarterback going forward, he has to be better because KU is not going to get far in the Big 12 without a quarterback that can make throws. And Stanley's shown that he can make some throws. He was pretty good on the final drive against Indiana State. I mean, he threw the, a picture-perfect ball to Dale and Charlotte on the game-winning touchdown. He's shown that he can make the throws. It's just a question of can he consistently do it. So going forward now against Boston College specifically, I'll be really interested to see how Stanley looks and where his confidence is at. Because, I mean, even then, today, he also dropped the ball. He went back and was about to throw it early on in the game. I think it was the first drive of the game even. And he fumbled the ball. Thankfully, James Sosinski fell on it. 
KU is able to recover, but it was definitely not the most confident Carter Stanley that we've seen. So going forward, I'm really interested to see where Carter Stanley's confidence is at this next week. Hopefully we get to talk to him during one of the media availabilities on Monday or Tuesday, because I'm, I personally am very interested to see where his head is at now going into this Boston college game, because it's going to be a test for KU defensively. It's going to be the best defense they've gone up against. It's going to be probably the best offense that they've gone up against so far. So in general, this Boston college team is going to be a real test for Kansas to see where they are because in the grand scheme of things, this loss is significant because this was a a stepping stone for Kansas confidence wise um, with fan support. You look at, the way that the team was talked about leading up until this game, just prior to kickoff, it was things are going up, things are going up. You know, you beat Coastal Carolina, you can go to Boston College. Maybe you're two and zero going against Boston College. Maybe you keep it close. Maybe it's a two possession game in the fourth quarter where Kansas has the opportunity to make it a one score game at some point. You know, and then you come back and you play West Virginia at home, and maybe you can beat West Virginia at home and can keep building. But now all of that really doesn't look like it's going to happen. I don't know what this Boston college game is going to look like, but I'm now even more skeptical about KU beating a West Virginia team on home in week four. I think as for the rest of the offense, the offensive line has room for improvement. I was a little bit shocked that they weren't able to get more of a push up front against a coastal Carolina defense that gave up, I believe it was 3000 rushing yards last season total. So not a good run stopping team. And yet KU was able to get some good yards, but it felt like in those moments when it counted on those fourth downs um, on the last drive of the game, you know, they weren't able to get the push up front or to, you know, make the holes for Puka Williams or Cleo Herbert to hit so that they can go for those big gains. I think the offensive line has definitely some room for improvement. You look at the wide receiving core, they weren't as involved as they were last game against Indiana State. I mean, how many times did Andrew Parchment run those little pop passes, jet sweeps against Indiana State for some first downs? You didn't see those pass that same play again against Coastal Carolina. To my memory, they only ran that play once. And of course, you can't run the same play every drive. But there are certain plays I feel like you can go back to and say, you know what, this has worked in the past. And of course, personnel does change things and what the defenses do lining up. And maybe that was something where against Indiana State, the way they line up, they felt like they could exploit that. But there are certain plays that worked against Indiana State that you felt like, hey, maybe KU can go back to those. And maybe KU can try and find success there. But it wasn't there. So... Offensively as a whole, KU has a lot of room for improvement. I'm very interested to see where this offense ends up at the end of the season on a week-by-week basis because it didn't feel like there were a lot of steps forward between Indiana State and Coastal Carolina. Yes, Coastal Carolina is a better opponent, but in the grand scheme of things, you should also be stepping up your offense as the opponent gets better on a week by week basis. You know, your offense should be making strides to maybe not where they're going to score 30 points on coastal Carolina, but where they should be able to get more than a touchdown. So overall offense, a lot of room for improvement. So when you look at the defense, I think there were some positive things for the defense in totality. Drew Prox had another really nice game led the team with 11 total tackles, 10 solo. He really looks like he's going to be the guy that is going to be taking the bulk of the tackles 
I thought Bryce Tornadin looked a lot better. I felt like he was a lot more active and a lot more in there with a lot of plays. He came up with six tackles and a tackle for loss as well, or sorry, technically a sack. Uh, so I think Bryce Tornadin looked really good. I thought Mike Lee looked a little bit better in coverage today. Malcolm Lee, uh, who's a junior college transfer, made an impact as well without Sam Burt, who was out for the game today. So Lee came up with, uh, Malcolm Lee, that is not Mike Lee. Malcolm Lee came up with five total tackles, four of them solo. So a pretty good game from him. But I think when you look at the first touchdown that Coastal Carolina scored, a wheel route out of the backfield, talking with Drew Prox after the game, he talked about how he felt like the KU defense made mental errors and that they were in a lot of the right spots at times, but that there were a couple lapses, that touchdown being one of them, where the wheel route comes out and he said that there was just a miscommunication between he and another defender that they were supposed to switch or one of them was supposed to stay on and they just miscommunicated and basically running back was able to run a, a wheel route for a touchdown untouched. So, you know, there are those mental errors that, you know, Prox has talked about and that you could see in the game with that touchdown. You know, those are some things that KU is going to have to sure up. But I think in the grand scheme of things, defensively, you have to be okay with the performance because, you know, you held Coastal Carolina to 12 points, two touchdowns. Like you, you would expect if you run that game back, that KU is going to score more than 12 points. So I think that, you know, the defense did its job in the game. The offense is the biggest question mark going forward. So that's going to do it for today's podcast. As always, you can find all sorts of KU football content on fog.net. We've got a really good game story up from Scott Chasen looking at the timeout usage of KU and the quarterback play and the offense as a whole and what that means going forward. I took a look at Carter Stanley's two interceptions. Uh, Not really a film room there, but kind of asked Carter directly what kind of went wrong on some of those plays, and he offered up what he thought went wrong. And he actually did go into some really good detail. So... I focused on that with Stanley, you know, throughout this next week, we'll have some really good content looking into the Boston college game, but also looking back at this coastal Carolina game and some of the areas that KU can improve and where, you know, Les Miles says that he thinks KU can improve because we'll get to talk to him on Monday. So as always, you can follow me on Twitter at mswain97. You can follow Scott Chasen at, on Twitter at Chasen Scott. And with that said, we'll talk to you a Friday night after the Boston college game.